This is episode two of season one of Strength Agenda Radio. We came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and we're all out of bubblegum. This is Strength Agenda Radio, the podcast where the strong go to get smarter. Each episode features some of the most interesting athletes and coaches in the strength world, sharing their favorite stories, expertise, biggest mistakes, and training tips. And now, here's your host, Tom Soroka. So if you guys ever walked into the gym, uh, gotten up that day, everything has felt great. Everything's felt fantastic. Nothing's really all that sore. You're, you know, your general bumps and bruises, but nothing is just screaming out at you that it's going to take forever to get warmed up. You start moving around, you grab your favorite bar, go to your favorite spot, you start moving around, getting your warm-ups going, and everything is feeling fantastic. You hit your first couple of warm-up sets, great. Start doing your percentage work. You get at 60%, fantastic. 70%, snatching a world record today, 75%. All right, that was a little weird. It never felt like that before. I go to 80%. All right, what the heck was that? But you made the lift, so you keep moving on. And from that point on, you cannot make another lift. No matter what you try, no matter what adjustment you do, the correction that your coach gives you, you cannot make that lift. You go back down. Start working back up. Maybe I just didn't warm up enough. Same thing. Get right back to that lift that's over 80% and nothing. And it is just turning into one big old dumpster fire real quick. You ever just had one of those days? Then you move on to another movement. You're like, you know what? Snatches just weren't there today. Let's move on to something else. You got jerks next or cleans next. Whatever you got next. You start warming up. Same exact thing. You just cannot get things going. Once you get to any respectable weight or a weight that you deem respectable, you can't hit it. Your coach can't figure it out. You can't figure it out. Your training partner can't figure it out. Move on to your... Strength work, mediocre at best, move on to your accessory works, get it done, get on, get out of the gym. What do you do? What do you do? You have nothing to blame. Maybe you do. Maybe this has been a reoccurrence for you. You've had two or three times like this during the week. It's been going like that. Or maybe this is the first time it's happened. But what do you do? Back when I was training at California Strength, back in 2012, I remember I had three days in a row like that. I had never trained that seriously. I had never done, you know, two a days. I had never done a two a day a day in my life. Right away, as soon as I got to California Strength, I got thrown to the wolves. Two a days, heavy training sessions, multiple times throughout the week, a lot of volume, a lot of reps. Um, and I got to a point about mid February, the leading right up about I was about four or five weeks out from the national championships that year. Nationals were, were at the Arnold, and it was in March. They kind of moved it around. That's also where the Olympic trials were. So everybody was getting ready for that. And I'm just, I remember sitting in the ice tub on, I think, a Thursday night because I had worked the floor. I'm sitting in the ice tub. Dave walked in. Dave Spitz, the godfather. Everybody knows him by now. He is, uh, at the time, he wasn't in charge of the weightlifting team, but he just kind of came in and offered advice here and there. He walks in, looks at me, and goes, what's wrong with you? Apparently, I looked like somebody stole my puppy. Because he figured it out right away. Looks at me, goes, what's wrong with you? Started explaining to him. I said, I have no idea what's going on. I said, I feel horrible. I I, I cannot make a lift. Um, physically, nothing is over the top sore. Nothing over, is over the top, you know, beaten, battered, bruised, whatever. Um, but I can't make lifts that I used to just crush on a daily basis. I have no idea what's going on. 
And to this day, I've posted about it a couple times on Instagram. I know I've posted the quote. I've talked about the quote on other podcasts, articles, stuff like that. But to this day, this is probably one of the greatest quotes in terms of training for weightlifting that I share with my athletes, pretty much anybody that will listen. And the quote goes like this. When it comes to weightlifting, the thing you need to keep in mind is that it is cyclical. And by cyclical, it means there's the good days, there's the mediocre days, there's the bad days. And it's just going to be in a constant rotation as you're going through training. Now, the better you get, the bigger that circle gets. So what that means is the highs are going to be even higher, the mediocre days are going to be even longer, and the lows are going to be even lower. But the thing is, is to understand when each of those phases is coming around, pushing through to those phases, not abandoning ship, not trying to readjust things, not trying to figure out, you know, something new because it's obviously not working, but pushing through that adjustment and you're going to come out on the on the other side better off. No matter what, you are going to come out of the other side better off. And after Dave told me that, you know, I'm sitting there in the cold tub, freezing my butt off, but it made perfect sense. And from that point on, my training infinitely got better. Just from that one silly little quote. It's not silly anymore because, like I said, I will share that quote with anybody that will listen. The point is this. No matter what you're doing, whether it's weightlifting, whether it's track and field, whether it's wrestling, whether it's just life in general, crappy job, whatever, you have to stay the course. You're not going to get ahead. You're not going to accomplish anything. You're not going to come out a better person by just simply abandoning ship. Uh, push through. Now, obviously there's a difference between pushing through an injury or something along those lines, or if you're just down on yourself and there's really nothing wrong, you're just being a mental head case. Just keep your head down, get the work done. And eventually it's going to come back around. And when it does, fireworks are going to be going off all around you. Things are going to be feeling fantastic. You're going to feel like a juggernaut and you can run through walls, but it's not going to be like that all the time. And the better you get at a sport, at your craft, the, it, it, the the downs are going to happen more often. The mediocre is going to happen more often, but those highs are going to be even better given your level of expertise. So when you have a bad day, if you have a string of bad days, if you're having a bad week, if you're having a bad training cycle, keep this in mind. It was something that Dave told me. It helped tremendously. It still helps to this day. And every time one of my athletes is having a bad day or a bad couple of days, I recite this to them. I know I've recited it numerous times. Hopefully it helps you out. Hopefully it helps you get through that bad day. Just know that you are not alone and that it's going to happen. You're going to be fine. For those of you who might have missed the full quote, here it is again. Weightlifting is cyclical. You're going to have your good days. You're going to have your bad days. You're going to have your mediocre days. Just know that you're going to experience each of them. And as you get better, that circle is going to get bigger. What that means is as you get better, the highs are going to get higher. The mediocre days are going to get longer and the lows are going to get lower. Use it to your advantage. Keep your head down. Keep working. And you're going to come out better on the other side. And let's get back to the show. What's one thing you use every training session? One thing that if you changed for under $10 would have an immediate effect on your training. For myself and my lifters, that was upgrading to hand armor chalk. Hand armor, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting, is professional grade stuff. We keep it old school in the gym with their block chalk, but for me personally, I'm a huge fan of their liquid chalk. I use it whenever I'm throwing as a base glare before I tape up my hands, and it's a total game changer. It's completely mess-free, long-lasting, antimicrobial, and most importantly, gives me a great grip for my entire training session. 
I love this stuff and recommend you give it a try. The block chalk just starts at $3 and the liquid chalk under $7. Plus, if you use code AGENDA at checkout, you get an additional 10% off. HandArmorChalk.com. Go get yours now. Welcome to Strength Agenda Radio. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Mike Gatone of Forza Weightlifting. Um, if you are familiar with weightlifting in the Chicagoland area, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And Mike is that guy in this area. Um, he is a former director of high performance for the USAW. He also coached Tara Knott, who was the first ever Olympic gold medalist in women's weightlifting. Uh, he was assistant strength and conditioning coach for the Chicago Bulls back in, you said, 96 to 2001? Uh, 98. Yeah, 98 to yep. 2001. And he is currently the assistant technical director for USAW and the director of recruiting. Mike, right. welcome to the show. Tom, how are you, buddy? Good talking oh. to you, man. It's great talking to you. So for those, uh, we had some technical, technical difficulties yesterday, but we got that all ironed out. <laughs> so today will run a lot, lot smoother. Um, so I think I, I think I said the best things of my life yesterday, Tom. I, 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 I don't did. have as much energy today. I so know, no, right? I that's what that's what I was telling <laughs> Beth. I was like, I don't know if we can duplicate the magic. Um, so let's just start off, Mike. Just give us a little bit of history on yourself. Uh, where did you start in terms yeah. of your athletics, and how did that lead you to weightlifting and all the the the, the great things you've done with weightlifting? I appreciate it. Uh, like you. Uh, we're kindred spirits in this way. I mean, I started off as a uh, thrower. That was my first love. And strangely enough, probably a lot like you as well, there's only a few of us weirdos, but somehow I got obsessed with it in high school. And, you know, this is uh, late 70s and early 80s. Don't mind dating myself. E even in even 7th and 8th grade, I, I remember uh, my brother was a decathlete, and so we had a lot of, like, track and field news and things around the yeah. house. So... You know, seeing pictures of guys like Al Furbach and Mac Wilkins, that was that really influenced me. And so um, in trying to find out how to be a better thrower, you know, pre-internet days, there was a few books out there, like How the Champions Train, it was an old track and field news book, and, you know, you could get a few mimeograph articles, and uh, but a lot of things you read kept leading to, you know, snatches and clean and jerks as way to train as a thrower. So, of course, I got very interested in weightlifting also, even competed in uh, uh, Illinois State Championship 1981 or so, like my junior or senior year in high school. And uh, so, so I loved lifting, but I, I fancied myself a thrower. Um, and I went to University of Arizona as a walk-on hammer thrower. And uh, that was a great experience in many ways. But uh, one of my teammates was Meg Ritchie, now Meg Stone. Um, I think she still has the NCAA record in the discus. And, you know, it was a good way for me to be around a world-class athlete, you know, at a very mm -hmm. young age, to see, yeah. an, see an Olympian and, and talk to somebody who had insights on, on what it it takes to be at that level you know it was it was fantastic experience and also at Arizona I really got a lot more serious about lifting but I was doing it on my own I started reading you're familiar with the Soviet sports review magazines yep, yep, yep. and uh, I remember trying to copy you know Medvedev programs <laughs> we'd lift yeah. for track on Monday Wednesday Friday and then I go let me do some of these Russian workouts on Tuesday Thursday Saturday you know and uh, I was going to a lot of meets and I was relatively strong as a hammer thrower with just ugly, 
you know, power snatch, power clean technique. <clears throat> and um, I wrote a letter to Harvey Newton uh, in 1985 because I saw that there was going to be a under-23 camp at the Olympic Training Center. This was about the year or two before they started the junior squads. This was kind of the first attempt at it. And yeah. Harvey said, oh, you got good numbers as a, you know, a thrower, and you're, you're young. I was about 21, or, and I got invited to that camp. And then sort of no going back for me from that. I just really fell more and more in love with weightlifting. I thought, uh, you know, I have a chance probably to be better at weightlifting than I do at track. And it was fuel was on the fire that summer. I came home to Chicago. Uh, I, I grew up on the south side. And I started to drive up to Sayre Park then regularly. I'd been up there once or twice in high school, but it was hard for a Southside kid to go up there. But yeah, uh, so you know, this is 1985, and so uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a very small group of people. Yeah, and it's it's half it's a quarter of of the people you know that that lift in our clubs now, but. Every one of them, I mean, I'm training with guys that I can't clean and jerk their snatch, you know. Yeah, exactly. And you got Roger Nielsen and Mark Lemanager and their Olympic coaches. And it was just a whole new world to me. Like, wow, there's actually a place where weightlifting's the main sport, not yep. <laughs> not something yep. you do for, for yep. shot and discus. And, and that summer I told my parents, hey, I think I'd like to transfer to illinois chicago like what a dumbass right i left tucson arizona for uh yeah, for illinois chicago but i uh i transferred there and finished my undergrad and just started training at sayer and um i i quickly also started to try to learn as much as i could from roger and working with him and and sort of became i guess a a right-hand man sort of a young assistant to him and uh i left for a little bit i went out to university of kansas for uh, grad school, I was a grad assistant strength coach there. Um, also, like you, I mean, there was two ways to make a living. You're either going to be a throws coach or you're going to be a strength and conditioning coach. Yep. Um, it seemed to me, I did coach throws at College of DuPage a little bit. Nice. Um, by the way, I didn't tell you yesterday. <laughs> my, I, it's stupid, you know, you get lucky in your career. But one of my throwers when I was at College of DuPage was Tom Puxtis, the uh, Javelin Thor, who yeah, he yeah. <laughs> became a Olympian, and um, he was a set the junior national record. Uh, he probably still do, but yeah, but it was funny because you know Tom already knew how to throw the jab, obviously, yeah. and uh, but it was cool, you know, like oh yeah, you got you know be around that that guy, and so but I coached throws a little bit, but uh, so strength. You coached, so you coached Olympians in two separate. Hey, sports. woo! I guess there so. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Uh, but he, uh, but, but, you know, I thought strength and conditioning would be my deal and, and it was for a while, but, uh, the weightlifting just kept in my blood, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I came home to Chicago, I left Kansas and, uh, you know, although I wanted to be a strength coach, I really still wanted to lift and still be involved with lifting. So back to Sarah, I went and I was helping Raj by then I kind of realized, look, I'm going to be more of a a coach probably than a lifter and I was hoping Roger a lot I was working with some of the juniors there yeah and um this deal came up through USA weightlifting it was US weightlifting federation then where uh the city of Peoria this is 1990 um went to US 
WF and they said, uh, hey, we want to open a not-for-profit weightlifting center here in town uh, to train kind of at-risk kids and also bring some sports business to Peoria. And they said, okay, go to Roger Nielsen. He runs the state. And they came to Roger and Roger said, uh, yeah, I got a guy that, that might consider going down to Peoria. And and so that was me. So in 1990, I moved to Peoria. And at that time, there was two paid weightlifting coaches in America. It was Dragomir out at the Olympic Training Center and, and me. You know, it was uh, I got paid for this not-for-profit to run a weightlifting club and, and bring sports business to Chicago or to Peoria, sorry. And uh, and I ran uh, 91 juniors, 92 Olympic trials, and 93 nationals. And then um, the 96 Olympic Games were gearing up with staff members in 94. And they went to USA Weightlifting and like, who, you know, do you have a recommendation? And they're like, there's a young guy that'll pick up and move, and he just ran three national meets in a row. So there you go. Uh, moved to Atlanta. I was the competition manager for uh, the Olympic Games in '96, and uh, while I was there, one of my colleagues that worked for soccer was a young lady named Tara Knott, and um, she. Uh, it's it's funny, you know you you. People act like, ooh, you coached an Olympian or a gold medalist and all this. But Tara actually pestered me into training her because there was, you know, I was at the, in Atlanta for a administration job, you know, yeah. there were, and we didn't have a weight room. And she's yeah. like, come on, teach me the sport. I want to be competitive and something. And uh, turn out I would still train. You know, I was going up to Coffee's gym three days a week. And I'm like, okay, kid, just meet me up here three mornings a week and just kind of do what I do. I mean, I was kind of, let's see what happens here. And after after a month or so, I kind of said, eh, I think I better get kind of serious about this kid. And Yeah. So anyway, um, so was there through 90, you know, about the fall of 96. And then I moved back to Chicago. I had uh, written a proposal to the Metro Y system in Chicago to do a youth weightlifting and strength and conditioning program uh, in the YMCA's and they liked a lot and they moved my family and I back and I was training Tara and Niles at the Leaning Tower Y and um, also taking her over to Sayre every once in a while and uh, things didn't work out 100% with with the Y and um, I had been friends with Coach Vermeil with the Bulls because I was um, his kid was a weightlifter and I, I worked with him some and I was working with the Bradley basketball team down in Peoria and I'd just come up and talk to him about training a lot and stuff. So he sent me up with a guy. Uh, I started my own little sports performance deal for about six, eight months. And then Al said, Hey, I'd like to hire you as an assistant. So I went, went to work for the bulls for, uh, it was about three and a half years. And at the same time, I was still training Tara down at Sarah. I'd go to Sarah or, um, you know, most of the time, or usually always going there to train her, or sometimes we train at other places, but say her all the time, and then uh, stayed with them through 2001, September, and then I moved out to Colorado Springs. I went to work for the USOC in the coaching uh, and sports science department, 
and worked there for a couple years and then came back to Chicago and opened my own sports performance place. That was 2003, Tom. That was WCS, right? That was WCS Gatone Sports, yeah. So that was in uh, Buffalo Grove and we had a good deal. Ingrid was training there and Angie yeah. and uh, Shane Mayer and we we had a good good group. Gina uh, Guidi and Natalie Friend with a bunch of kids at the 04 trials and um, so hung with that for about eight years. But as you and I were just talking about, yeah. not not always easy to no. run your own. During that time, I also went back to work for USA Weightlifting. Uh, that was high performance director. But um, got this corporate opportunity. I'd never been in a corporate job before, and uh, things were kind of coming to an end with our lease, and we are trying to figure out what we were going to do anyway, and it uh, was sort of a good time for me. And so I jumped on this gig with Gatorade for a little over six years, working in sports marketing department as a conduit to strength coaches and athletic trainers and nutritionists around the country. Actually, it was great, man. I met so many great you know, people in the pro ranks and stuff. But um, so that was about six years. And then beginning of this year or end of last year, uh, USA Weightlifting, I started to talk to a, a colleague there that I used to work with at USOC and kind of went back and forth on whether there'd be interest in coming back. And March of this year, I made the leap back to USA Weightlifting. So, so here I am. Well, it's, I, thanks for thanks for letting me do that time travel with you. But no, no, there's there's so many, no, not at all. There's there's different little stops along that way that I didn't know about. Like I thought I knew the general gist of like your 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 timeline, but there are all sorts of different stops in there that are that make that make a lot more sense and make things a lot more interesting. Um, cause I mean, I was fortunate enough to have Roger do my level one for USAW and then you and Roger both did the level two, um, at rice. I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have both you guys kind of do the coaching course for me. Um, and when I moved back to the area, I mean, anytime I had a question about stuff like, I, I, um, Kevin at Sarah park was obviously per- a person I always refer to cause they let me train there when I first yeah. moved back. And then you two, um, once I got connected with you two, I was always, you know, shooting questions and, and asking for advice from you guys, because obviously you've been in the sport so long, you know, the do's and don'ts and all that stuff. So it's just, it's, it's really interesting to hear how yeah. zigzagged your path was going back to and the zigzag. current point. So from there, yeah, your, your, your job now, um, yep. let's talk about the recruiting one first. Cause that's, that's the one yeah. that interests me. Cause you, you yeah. talked to me cause we both have the track and field background. That's right. Um, for people who don't know, you also coach, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but, um, you coached the silverback throwing club. Um, yep. somebody else had it or had the, the training group, you coached the throwers and I actually had reached out to the silverback throwers uh, oh. going into my senior year. That's to, funny. To, to throw with them because I had thrown against Pat Whalen, who yeah. is a two-time Illinois state champ. Right. Um, and then his brother, Matt, was a state champ. And he they, right. they um, Matt threw, I believe, at Mississippi State. And yeah. uh, Pat threw at Ohio, Ohio state. state. And then You know, and, Pat, and, Pat trained with us for two years at, at my place. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Pat. And then another uh, friend of mine, Jim Theologus, was a yeah. – he threw at Huntley High School. And yeah, yeah. I, I believe Anna Swisher was throwing with you guys at the yeah, same time as yeah, well. So yeah, I, yeah, I was like, yeah. I had seen all these athletes at meets and stuff like that. And I'm like, you know what? I just want to get with these guys and see what I can do. Because I was trying to get, 
you know, um, I threw at Aurora University, um, a Division three school, but I was trying to, uh, I, John Godina had allowed me to, um, had invited me to come move out to Arizona and train with them. But I'm like, before that happens, like, I need to get some things figured out. So I tried reaching out to you guys and just um, me being 16 years old, my parents weren't too thrilled about me driving, you know, over an hour yeah, up to uh, the northern part of Illinois by myself to meet some guy to throw. So um, it ended up not working out. But now we're BFF, so it all works out. That's right. Where did you but, grow up? Were you, did you grow up in Elmhurst, too? No, 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 I did not grow up in, I grew up in Bridgeview. Um, oh, um, yeah. The, the south suburbs. Um, yeah, I went I to Argo High School, was oh, uh, yeah. 63rd in Harlem. So that's okay. where I was. Um, I, my funny thing is my dad actually worked up in, or works up in Buffalo Grove. And okay. so he would drive up there all the time and I'd go up there from time to time. And so it was a really nice area up there. Um, I grew up in Mount Greenwood, Tom, so not oh, there a l- little further south than you, but definitely, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. definitely a south sider. And uh, see, another yeah, great thing we have in common. There you, so. there you go. Uh, yeah, it's just like when I first got started in weightlifting, um, that was that Ingrid actually got me introduced to it. It was when I was screwing around, I was doing one arm snatches, waiting for a, uh, personal training client to come in. I was working for her at the time at her little studio in Elmhurst and client came in and Ingrid was like, they, while they were warming up, Ingrid's like, do you know how to do a snatch? And she showed me in a few minutes how to do it. And I was able to snatch, you know, 225, not making any contact at all, just muscling it and ripping it off the floor. And then she got me in touch with Glenn, uh, Glenn Penley out at Cal Strength. And so I went there for six months and then I was at MDUSA. Yeah. Um, but at the time, like Sayre Park was it. That was the yeah. only place yeah. to. What year was that? 2009 or 2010, okay. maybe even 2011. Yeah. I don't remember. But So I had probably but, just closed because I. Uh, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, I'm sure she would have sent you. Yeah, closer, but well, yeah. that was the thing is because she was looking for a place to train as well at the time. Yeah. So I would imagine yeah, we had just, just closed up. Yeah. So yeah, it was just one of those things where there weren't a lot of CrossFits. The only CrossFit I believe yeah. that was around was um, CrossFit Chicago, Chicago, I believe, or, was, Con- yeah. or Construct. I can't remember which one was there. Yeah, first. it was Chicago. We we had. It's kind of funny, you know. You look back. It, I can't obviously question my career, but I mean because th- you know I'm very very happy and blessed, but. You know, I, I will caveat, by the way, before we talk about, I know you want to talk about the recruiting thing, but, you know, it, it, I think the biggest story I would say if I was sitting down and having a drink with somebody is, uh, you know, first thing is if you stick at something long enough, you will get good at it and you'll meet a lot of people and you'll, yep. you'll be able to do something with it. But also be prepared if it's something like weightlifting or throwing. I mean, I don't think there's a weightlifting coach in America or a you know, strength coach for that matter. You know, it's rare that won't tell you like, dude, um, it's there's so many years of struggle, so many years of moving. And, you know, I just remember, you know, when I went to work for the Bulls, I wanted my we wanted my, our kids, you know, to live in a nice community. And we live in a, a great town and uh you know, but it's an upper middle class suburb of Chicago, and you know, you know what that means financially. Yeah. You know, and you go to these cocktail parties, and guys yeah. are like, "Yeah, I sell pharmaceuticals. I do this. I do that." And you're like, uh, "I'm a weightlifting coach, uh, yeah, strength yeah. coach." You know. <laughs> well, like I teach it, I teach at Immaculate Conception in Elmhurst, and it's the same thing. It's just a different demographic around here versus where I went to, you know, high school and all that stuff. So I mean, it's just. It takes, yeah, and when you tell people, they're like, oh, I, uh, I, I own a gym, or I, I'm a teacher, like, people are like, oh, that's, that's nice. 
yeah i'm like all right cool but yeah it's uh so the recruiting thing um because you had told me about you like if you know any throwing buddies that would be interested in 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 trying weightlifting like let me know so explain a little bit what usaw is trying to do in terms of getting more talent in the pool and how you um like where you're what what part you play in all that yeah yeah well one of the one of the things that i think helped me get into the position i'm at is because of my background you know i uh from strength and conditioning and then this time with gatorade you know connected with so many strength coaches and and from you know track having that outlook and from usoc having that ngb connection so we've seen for years that you know we've had success in weightlifting athletes coming from other sports i mean tara's the prime example of that mm-hmm. you know but she was a gymnast and then a high level soccer player and sarah robles our last medalist you know just here in rio she was a national class thrower as you know so yep. it's been been kind to us you know and on the guy side me shane hammond was a power lifter and mark henry was a power lifter and et cetera, et cetera. So I think you got Phil Andrews, who's just an amazing, amazing person. He's never stops working and he's always trying to, to think of as many uh, strong new initiatives as possible. And this recruiting thing was one of them, you know, and it was like, okay, we've, we've sort of been lucky and we've had some people make a transition uh, they've kind of found us, and we also have had some smart coaches out there in the field who have, you know, talked to some people in their area, but we've never, like, from an NGB point of view, sort of assigned somebody, like, look, this is part of your daily tasks mm-hmm. to talk to NGBs, talk to strength coaches, just talk to individuals, you know, yeah, um, and and talk to them about weightlifting. It's you know, we, this is, as you know, one of the greatest times we've ever had, if not the greatest time in weightlifting. There's even financial opportunities for the first time ever, you know, for Absolutely. our top weightlifters can make a, a pretty decent monthly, you know, yeah. stipend. So um, we have a lot to offer, I think. And so that's the ground we're, we started with. And then what I've done is basically... You know, it's a big combination of emails, phone calls. Uh, Social media has been huge for me. I mean, I've I've talked to um, a couple pretty big time, you know, good, explosive, big national ranked throwers who, you know, I'm trying to move into come try some weightlifting, man. And uh, and they're pretty interested in it, actually. So I think it's kind of just like you or I. I mean... If you had this dream to be an Olympian or a world team member or, or just as good as possible in track or in gymnastics or maybe even football, and for some reason it didn't work out, maybe you had a nagging injury, you know, you couldn't handle the rotation or, yeah. you know, you just, you know, hell, in America, I mean, if you throw 67 feet right now, you're, <laughs> you're what? Breaking into the top ten, maybe, or maybe, like maybe, maybe. I mean, for instance, yeah. was our top three guys this year? One and two were over seventy-two feet. Yeah, yeah. And then third place at our national championships, I think, was seventy-one feet. Yeah. I mean, so, it's just the depth and shot alone is ridiculous. 
So we're just looking at it like uh, my colleague Lance Williams, I mean, he uses this term off the back, and I think that's a great term for us. Like, <clears throat> can we get a great athlete from another sport who just couldn't quite break into their top and get come off the back of that sport and have them move strongly and relevantly into our into ours, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's it's been fun. It's kind of like a uh, – I feel a little bit like a college recruiter. I was just going to say, you sound like a, a D1 football coach, like trying to yeah. find the next best uh, starter for your team for your next championship run. Yeah. And I think so, it's good. What I like about it too, Tom, is like we don't have an Olympic training center. We, yeah. don't, we don't have a national training center. So the other cool thing about it is – yeah, but, you know, because I come from a club and have yeah. been a grassroots guy my whole life and, and still, you know, run a weightlifting club now, I what I like about it is I'm I'm hopefully going to be able to help clubs as well yeah, because absolutely. you you've got to send these people somewhere, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's been another part of it, trying to match. Right now the biggest uh, – one one of my biggest traction I've got has been through a relationship with USA Powerlifting. Believe it or not, yeah, I, uh, I can't imagine they got. Some... I wrote, yeah, you won't believe the guys and gir- yeah. girls. I was shocked, you know, that have sent me like, yeah, I want to do it. Who do I work with? I want to make, and I'm telling, yeah. I'm saying like, stop powerlifting and and jump over, you know. Yeah. So, oh yeah, you know. So my question is this. On a national level, what took yeah. so long to get to this point where yeah. it is a priority for us? Was yeah. it finances? Was it just so much other, all these other things going on? Like, what was, yeah. what took so long for us? I mean, USAW has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, shot of life in the arm, if you would. And, now we're taking this initiative to recruit from other sports. Like what took so long to get to this point? Yeah. Well, I think, I think a lot is having strong forward thinking leadership like Phil and the staff that he's, he's built. I think that's one of it. I think just what you said, Tom, because the NGB is at the largest point it's ever been on membership and, you know, not saying we're, we're, uh, you know, multi, zillion dollar company or anything but there's more resources available now Mm -hmm. to say okay you as a staff member you um, we want you to carve out your time to do some of this i mean absolutely when i was you know when i was high performance director there was about three or four of us in the office you know and i mean you did everything and you know having time to do something like this just it wasn't there, so yeah. I think uh, I think I think it's been a, a variety of factors, but um, I think it's just it's it's been the the growth and the ability to add some staff and and you know frankly have somebody with maybe some some connections and a lot of people do, but um, it's just kind of things worked out at, for the timing right now. So yeah, absolutely. Now I've noticed. Um like you were talking about the membership and a bunch of my lifters uh, were doing a meet on the 22nd and they just had, they hadn't have USAW memberships or whatever. And they were signing up and like, you're talking about like the huge influx in membership. Like they've added another digit 
yeah, the, to the membership numbers. <laughs> like when I signed up, it was only a six digit yeah. membership ID. Yeah. And now like a couple of my lifters had like they were, cause I asked them all to write them down for me one day. And some of these guys, I'm like, you have an extra number in here. <laughs> and they're like, no, 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 that's what they gave us. And I was like, oh, okay. Like that's pretty significant in a short amount of time to be adding extra numbers and all that stuff. But, um, so then you're also the assistant technical director. Yeah. What does that job exactly entail? Because I've had people ask me, a lot of the, the youth in the junior national competitions, you see Mike Gatone in the back of the hook grip videos. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. Like, is that part of his new job or anything it like is. that? So yeah, it is. You, so does that fall under the technical director responsibilities? Yep. So as you know, yeah, uh, Piros Dimas is here as our, our new technical director. Mm-hmm. And um, and I basically assist him. And what we, you know, in USA Weightlifting, we're we're trying this new um, decentralized system. So we yeah. don't have an Olympic training center. And you know, even in the days when we did, you still had national team members living all oh, yeah. all around the country. So I guess the thing is, you know, like like Phil said to me just the other day. I mean. We got to have some accountability with our national teams, mm-hmm. especially in the case. I mean, like I said, we we pay some relatively decent stipends to some of our athletes, and and even if there's not a stipend involved, when you're going to a youth world championships or a, you know junior worlds, uh, you know you're part of Team USA. Team USA is paying your way there, and and you're representing uh, Team USA. So. A lot of our responsibilities have to do with the national team. Yeah, getting ready for a world competition. So that means talking to the coaches, gauging, gauging fitness, talking about attempts. You know, even little things like we haven't necessarily done in the past. I mean, we've had some stories in the past of, you know, arguments and stuff at the time of, uh, you know, going into warm-up room of who's going to take the warm-up room passes. And we just can't you know don't want to have something like that that's going to affect an athlete's performance so even working things like that out before like we're going to have this conversation we're going to be you know buttoned up and and ready to roll on as many aspects of performance at the competition as possible and and now the second part of it is starting so we get the competition part kind of nailed down we need to start to look at things like if an athlete lived at the Olympic Training Center or a Olympic an Olympic Training Center, excuse me, mm-hmm. what resources would they have? So we hope eventually another one of the roles of the technical director and assistant technical director will be to start to work with the athletes in the field on getting more of the services that they may that they would have access to when they're at a national training center. So, gotcha. you know, down the road, it will be more of a full-time communication thing too. Yeah. Like we're looking at software, for instance, where we, you have a national team member, Tom, with you training at your place. You know, we may ask you like, you know, we want you to put a weekly video of this athlete up there, you know, um, put a small weekly report, you know, yeah, any injuries, uh, if they're going to rehab, you know, how's the rehab going? Do you need to find a good therapist in your area? You know, maybe we can use our network to help you with that, mm-hmm. et cetera. So that's awesome to start to build it out that way as well. Yeah. Now you've gone to, you were at youth worlds this year. Yep. Junior worlds this year. Were you at Pan Am's as well? 
Uh, I w- it's coming up in a couple weeks here, so... So you're going to Senior Pan Ams. You didn't go to... Oh, oh I'm sorry. I see what you mean. Yeah, I didn't go to Junior Pan Ams because uh, it was so close to Junior Worlds. Um, yeah, so my question to you is, yeah. it's very early in the quad, yeah. but our youth and junior teams did exceptionally well at those meets. Like, CJ was the like at lifter he got the highest lifter award at youth worlds i believe correct yeah yep, yep, so yep so, so how i guess my question is what what do you see coming out of this quad this year do you yeah. see us potentially getting a full team for the olympics do you think the possibilities there or do you think we're still in that developmental stage where not this quad but the next quad will be a very competitive team on yeah. all fronts for the u.s such a good question, and obviously another part of our department's uh, role to sort of start to, to struggle and deal with that. I mean, this year's Worlds, as you know, is not scoring towards the Olympic yep. Games, yep. so that means we have 18-19. I mean, we know who our senior team are now for the most part. Uh, yes, a CJ, a Harrison, some of these kids will – also be competing at the senior level but you know part of the thing i'm working on a lot is sort of a uh sabermetrics type approach to mm-hmm. our national teams i mean um so we're, we're always looking at data in that aspect and you know it, it it's not going to be easy to get a full full team for tokyo of course that's one of our goals but it is going to be a challenge we're going to have to try to you know, do everything we can to try to maximize the points that our athletes can score at these world championships. So, yes, I guess uh, we that's our goal, you know, to try to maximize that for Tokyo. But, you know, we do have these great juniors and youth, and, and we, we see this as a long-term project as well and trying mm-hmm. to maximize what we, can, what we can do for 2024, wherever that winds up being. Looking, and obviously this can easily change, but looking at the uh, across the board, youth, junior, seniors, um, who has the stronger case uh, between the men and the women right now? I know we just added the um, the 90 kilo class on the women's side, but then the IOC said that weightlifting is getting 25% of their yeah. participation taken away. So um, looking at like what we have in front of us at the moment, which team do you think has a stronger case? for you know maximum participation at uh 2020 well i mean historically we're scoring we're placing a little bit higher on the on the female side yeah um you know what it is it's depth that's what looking at looking at the this um the best teams in the world this sounds hey here's a great knowledge bomb coming at you tom be ready the best teams in the world have the most people in A groups. So <laughs> I know that sounds funny, right? But yeah. so merely, but, but I guess the point is look at our athletes, look at mm-hmm. both genders, and then look at A sessions versus B sessions or maybe mm-hmm. even C sessions. And, and that could help anybody a lot kind of make the decision of yeah. where do we have a, a possibility, you know, of, of, gathering more slots so um that's even on this recruiting project i mean again looking historically like a tara or or a sarah mm-hmm. i mean you, you 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 sort of think like if if you find a 
super strong explosive thrower okay so now he's a super heavyweight okay and what's super strong you and i come from throwing so let's say the guy just is power snatching 140 and maybe power cleaning 185 190 there's some dudes i've talked to that are doing that and and that's yeah i've definitely i've seen some guys that can do that okay so that's pig strong that's pig strong it is however going to a world championships to be in an A group, or let's say, I mean, let's start talking about podium, okay? Yeah. To be a podium as a plus 105, what do you have to do? I mean. Uh, easily, you need to be in the 240 plus range in the clean and dirty. Exactly. So, so now we're starting to go, okay, can we get that guy to make a 60 kilo jump, right. you know, uh, at their age, at with their training background, you know, et cetera. So, or... I mean, of course, we're going to take the chance. We're going to go for these guys, and you know, yeah. who knows what they can do. Uh, but then, just just going back to your question on male versus females, you know, let's take the same female thrower that might do a one twenty. I mean, yeah, power clean one one fifteen power clean, yeah. and and so now, what does it take to be? Cleaning, let's say they're hitting a 120, which I think a lot of them could do, maybe even more, you know. So, you know, you're talking about a smaller percentage of improvement, I think, needed to be jumping into A groups. And that's kind of the way I'm looking at it, too. Of course, we're going after everybody out there. But it it seems like some of these possibilities, you know, just directly to your question, yeah. Um, maybe a little stronger force on the female side. Okay, phenomenal. So, so, off of the professional side of things, personal, what do you got going on with you? I know you run Forza Weightlifting Club. Yeah. Anything <laughs> you want to plug, push, yeah, well, brag I, about with Forza? I'm, I'm uh, so just, you know, my last couple of years with Gatorade, I started a little weightlifting club at a CrossFit near my house up here. So, it's in Grays Lake, Illinois. And uh, it's it's grown uh very well i mean we have almost 40 lifters uh i think on you're the one team. of the largest clubs in the area maybe maybe but you know um with my schedule obviously you know that that could impact a lot but i've been very blessed to uh get a fantastic i don't even want assistance not the right word because dave esther is like uh you know just a, a a right and left hand to me so yeah uh he and I talk almost every day, and uh, so he he's there for every training session. I'm there for every training session when I'm not traveling. Um, we tra- we train in the evening, so obviously after my my work hours, and um, and I enjoy that a lot, man. That, yeah, uh, I'm, I I feel like it's important to my role to still coach, you know, because yeah, but- I I like to be in touch with having the same challenges as everybody else, you know. Yeah. So now, for those who don't know, what does Forza mean? <laughs> it's Italian for uh, like kind of forward, strong, power. Uh, you, could, you could use Forza kind of interchangeably for a lot of different, uh, a lot of different meanings in Italian. But Very cool. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so we're there and uh, we're, we're lucky. I mean, if you are a weightlifter in the Chicago area, there's so many good clubs yeah. to go to, you know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're you're very close to me, and uh, we have to do more stuff together. By the way, in the in the future, we got to oh, talk absolutely. about that. But 
Um, there's a, a lot of great opportunities for athletes in the Chicagoland area to get yeah. good coaching. So uh, yeah, I feel like every every like the last three years in particular that I've been back, I feel like it just keeps doubling up on the amount of clubs that are popping up and yeah. the gyms that are running their own clubs, and they're not just an area with a bar, some bumpers in the corner of a CrossFit. Oh, and yeah. That's our barbell club. Like they're legitimate yeah. yes. um, areas with platforms and kilo plates and collars and bearing bars and coaches that want to work with yeah. just weightlifters. Like it's really, really cool to see that. And I mean, obviously we have some thanks to give to CrossFit to that, but on the other end, it's oh, yeah. a, with USAW and you guys and the coaching initiatives and the recruiting and the, you know, building up, you know, from, you know, the top down with a strong leadership from Phil and all the way down. Like it just, the, it, it excites me as a gym owner who started out, I just wanted a weightlifting gym. Like if I had to try doing this four or five years ago, like it would not have gone as well as it's going now because just simply the numbers and the, the interest weren't there. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, changed a lot. Right. And, uh, and I'm happy for guys like you and, and, you know, Dave, that helps me out. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I guess what I would kind of start to wrap with, I think a big responsibility that we have, I, I try to think of it a lot. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to do it yet, but we're always looking for good athletes. We're yep. always looking for ways to support our athletes. Yep. But if you don't have coaches, you don't have nope. anything. No, and exactly. um, coming from a guy who, you know, has put his family through uh, gosh, my wife and I, we've been married, uh, more than 25 years and I moved there, I think nine times. Yeah. And, you know, I still have stuff in boxes from <laughs> moving from Atlanta yeah. in the 96 games, you know, and, uh, yeah, you, you should go check you know, my basement out right yeah, now. There's you know, still boxes feeling. from South Carolina. Exactly. That, we've been in this house for almost two yeah. years now. And, and a coach that, you know, I had a talk with somebody recently and, and they, they didn't realize it. They pushed a button with me that, they meant it in a nice way. They were like, uh, "Yeah, one of the I'll be retiring one of these days soon, and then uh, you know I plan to coach weightlifting full time." But I, I'm not going to charge for it. I'm, 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 I'm you know, I, I can't remember exactly what he said after that because my brain yeah. exploded, and I'm like, "Hold on a second, yeah. you know, you go to any restaurant, you pay for it. You go, I mean, I'm like, these are coaches who have studied it. They paid for a college degree. Yeah, they don't exactly. pay for a." A master's degree they're constantly paying for continuing education i mean they're they should be treated as a professional coach just like absolutely. any other professional so absolutely all right well i know you got to catch a flight all I right, bud. Go through. we do some yes. lightning round questions okay i'll give you three of them okay right. just off the cuff just answer them first thing that comes to your head how much time are you wasting by cobbling together a training program from free resources or worse based off the social media of an athlete you follow or are you the Lone Ranger type? You just head into the gym and hope for the best with no plan needed. I've seen these guys come into my gym and compared to the results my athletes are getting, it was painfully obvious that the difference was simply following a planned out, tested approach. It kills me to see athletes with potential and work ethic waste their time when they could be getting even better results by simply just following a plan. That's why I created the Everyday Training Programs. Everyday Intensity is for you functional fitness athletes that need a strength program that's dynamic and will improve your barbell cycling times. Everyday Weightlifting is for those that love the snatch and the clean and jerk and want to improve their totals. And Everyday Strength is a simple but extremely effective program that incorporates squats, deadlifts, and key strength movements to build muscle and increase power. 
Find us on Train Heroic using the links in the show notes. We finished this interview. You're getting ready to go to your uh, car to get to the airport. You find a lottery ticket on the floor. Ends up winning you $10 million. What are you doing with it? Oh, okay. Well, I definitely would keep staying the same job I'm doing right now because I love my job, but I would I would open a, uh, a macked out weightlifting facility. <laughs> there you go. And I would uh, have Dave in there full-time coaching, and, and I would be when I'm... When I'm in town, and then I would also buy a farm in Sicily uh, near where my grandparents are from. That's that's nice. That'd be a nice little retreat for you. Yes. There. Yes. All right. Next one. What was the last thing you watched on TV, and why did you choose to watch it? <laughs> uh, I watch uh, very little TV because of my schedule. So I'm usually putting on something mindless and relaxing like American Pickers or uh, yes. I love House Hunters International. That is a great show. Wait, so You'd get along really well with my wife. Hey, I hey like Beth. Fr- yeah. Woo. I like your first option. She'll like the second option. All right. All right last okay. question. Yes. If you were to get rid of one state in the United States, which would it be and why? Oh, my God. You're killing me on that. <laughs> one state. I have to bomb it out. Uh, I have to think. You don't have to bomb it out. We just we just cut them out. They're done. Um, <laughs> uh, dang it! I'm I'm failing in the lightning round. Uh, well, my home state, the state of Illinois, uh, we're about to lose our um, yeah our bond rating and uh, not be able to pay any state workers or anything like that. So. We may uh, we may be kicked out of the union. So. Yeah, they, they might go after us pretty soon here. Exactly. All right. Well, I will let you get to your flight. I thank um, you thanks, very very buddy. much for your time, man. This is great. You're I, welcome. Um, I want can't to wait for uh, the listeners to uh, get a look at this and get some stuff from thanks, you. Thanks, man. I want to affirm you for uh, your your dedication and uh, your wife for putting up with what you're doing. I know it's not easy, but keep keep going. And just say that to anybody that uh, loves this, we need you. Try to, try to keep going, man. And uh, absolutely, if you feel like I could be of any assistance, reach out. So always, we'll, okay, buddy. We'll never stop hounding you. All right, take all care, right. Mike. Take care. See you, Tom. Thanks for listening to Strength Agenda Radio. Be sure to visit strengthagendaradio.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover exclusive offers and resources for our listeners. Until next time, train hard, lift heavy.